Welcome to The Elephant in New York, presented by the Fearless People Experience. Do you know those things in the workplace that make work suck, but remain unchanged? Well, those are the elephants we're here to talk about. We believe that these topics can and should be addressed with common sense, courage, and compassion. We may not have all the answers, and we're definitely not always going to be right. But we're here to build a better people experience. We gotta start somewhere. Let's go. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Elephant in the Org. I'm Danny Glutch. I'm here with Kasha Dora. Hi. And, <laughs> and Marion Anderson. Hello. What's today's Elephant in the Org, ladies? You know, I've got a, I've got a fun story for you. Weird, weird, maybe, but definitely fun. Um, and it's really framing around the understanding or the lack thereof of the roles that we perform within the people space. I got hit up by a recruiter on LinkedIn, which I love. I'm glad people are thinking about me. Um, <laughs> makes me feel special. But um, it was for an HR generalist role. Uh, and I'm in L&D and OD. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm curious what this recruiter is thinking about within this role. And it was about 75% learning and development and maybe 25% um actual like people operations hr generalist you need very specific skill sets very different experience um not even just on platforms right but just understanding the laws and legalities of things on one end and then so, like, how people handling? learn on the other yes yes oh, like goodness. case handling payroll um and i'm like I, I got you on onboarding training you know like i have you there <laughs> friend um but the other end of things, I was like, I, you wouldn't, if you want to trust me with payroll, you're no, don't do that. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. Um, was this role paying the big bucks? No, no, this was <laughs> a very, it was a very, it was about 65 K, which <laughs> is a good entry level position. Yeah. Uh, but you That's... know, pre- with a preferred master's degree. And 17 years plus experience. Yeah. Three days on site. So you've got got hybrid. And I, and this was uh, not, the recruiter wasn't obviously tied to the organization. Um, It was an external recruiter. And so I I don't want to waste anyone's time, including my own. So even in asking, I was like, I'm not a people ops person. Like I am an L and D person. Like I, I'm reading your job description. I don't think that this is going to be things like, well, just send me your resume. Just send me your resume. And I'm like, no, like I don't, I I need you to understand that like I could perform part of this, but I'm, I'm, I think you're barking up a wrong tree here, friend. Well, it's not just, it's not just you though. Right. Like who is that person that, right. Like it's, it's a, a Pandora's box of what this role actually is going to look like once you're hired. It's like, what are they Pandora's box much as a big toy box full of every need that you possibly want. And you just went boom, 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 boom. Fill it up with all my toys. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh my goodness. It's not about what do you want to release? It's about what what can you get? I think, think, what do you think? Oh my God. I have so many thoughts. There's so much to unpack in that. You know, it makes me, makes me laugh so hard. Because it doesn't stop. It even happens at like senior levels where, you know, I get hit up for for roles and um, they're looking for someone who's a strategist to come in, build a global people strategy, which is fine. That's 
completely in my wheelhouse. But they also want to have you wash the dishes, mop the floors and <laughs> do all the other things. So they're like, you need to be fully up to date on employment law in every single state. Okay. You need to be able to create cross-organizational training. You need to, you know, recruit. And I'm like, wait a minute, are you looking for a recruiter? Are you looking for an L&D specialist? Are you looking for a, a, an HR manager? What is it you're looking for? All of those are full-time jobs. They are full-time jobs. And, <laughs> it's, and it does make me laugh. Um, but what it does speak to is often just there's a, a bit of a lack of understanding, a bit of a mystique maybe behind what we do. And I, when I step back and I look at it, um, there's so much confusion about the roles and responsibilities within our vertical. Uh, you know, I think HR business partner, HR manager is a great one. Those titles are used interchangeably and they're completely different roles. They do two very different things. There's overlap for sure at certain points, but they're, they're, they're two very different roles. And I think that, I mean, there's just responsibility everywhere for why that's happened. And it's it's one more thing where we just have to almost smash things up a little bit and, and start again. We need to do a better job of educating, you know, our business peers around what it is that we do and what we don't do and and, and all those types of things. But um, it makes me laugh because I always think, you know, when I try to explain about the different roles that fall within a people's um, vertical, whether it be across OD, L&D, talent, you know, people operations, whatever it might be, you know, I always say, well, if you've got a toothache, are you going to go to the gynecologist? Right, <laughs> I'm not going to the gynecologist for anything, Marion. <laughs> well, okay, that might be weird, Danny, but you get my point, right? Like, if I want someone to build me a talent strategy, am I going to go to you know a people operations person? Probably not. I'm probably going to go to someone who is an expert in talent. Now, that obviously, there's a lot, I'm making it very uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot more nuances here, right? You know, it, if you're a small organization, of course, you're not going to have a talent person, an office pair. You're going to, you know, you are going to be looking for someone who is a bit of a jack of all trades. And that's completely normal. Isn't that you know, what a generalist means? Yes, pretty much. Um, but there comes a breaking point for that poor generalist. Oh, absolutely. You can only do so much. And again, you're a jack of all trades. So you have good surface knowledge in all of these really important areas, but you can only take it so far. You're one person and your skills only go so far. And at that point, that's where you have to go a bit deeper. Fractional partners in all of these spaces is a great remedy for that because you can have an expert on a, a shorter period of time that's able to give you what you need the scalability of your business. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a really interesting solution where mm. when I was, when I was literally listening to Kasha describe, like they wanted this person, it really knows that they, they, the core of this person's role is going to be this, Yeah, but also we need you to do this because we just need it to be done. And yeah. I'm like, well, that, that sounds like, you know, it, it might cost a little extra money, but hire someone as a contractor or a fractional, yeah. like you get this person for 10 hours a week or five hours a week yeah. to, to get in, know your business, and then start making some of that uh, talent strategy and some of those bigger decisions because they have the expertise, but you don't need a hundred percent of their expertise. You don't need the compensation to be 200 right. K. You can afford them at $40,000 a year and well, 5% of their time. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's like such an interesting thing. Cause I think businesses are like, okay, well we need this role to encompass everything, but like, have you thought about the option of like, just looking at maybe like Upwork or something like that? Mm-hmm. Right. And saying like, you know what, what we really need, we're hiring at a really insane rate. We need a talent person. We need an L and D person and we need a part-time HR person who already knows how to use insert HRIS here, right? Like, and that's your requirement. And you can, you can do all the research within like probably 45 minutes. It doesn't take that long. Ultimately, when you're looking at Upwork for people to kind of fill a role, but I think what I find interesting more than that is like, who is the person who's at at these moments, right? Where you have these job descriptions that are like two roles or that you're kind of looking for the unicorn, Right. Those companies that potentially are taking six months to fill a role where there's a ton of candidates in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> who's writing the job description? Are you looking at someone who has a level of experience in people operations and in the people space? Is it your CEO who knows what the business need, but maybe not like the backing of an individual like skill set, but they know what needs to be done? Yeah. <clears throat> or are you looking at like a finance person who who needs one who needs that jack of all trades because they don't want to pay yeah, <laughs> because of the finances of the organization at that time. There, there's some complexities in that, Kasha. Just, oh, just yeah. FYI. So like with in California, for example, we have this wonderful thing called AB5, um, <clears throat> which is part of the employment law. And that does restrict how you ha- work with certain contract roles because um if basically you're bringing someone in to do a role as a contractor, but actually that's a role that you then need to fill in your business, but you're just trying to sidestep having an extra head, you can get yourself into hot water. I've really oversimplified that. It's a lot more nuanced, but so that is a problem. The other problem with, with the HR piece is the confidentiality. You're not going to have someone as a contractor who's going to be in plane with your HRIS, right? Because that's very uh, sacrosanct information. So that one's a little tricky. But when it's more, you know, if you think about, again, go back to fractional. Fractional isn't a contractor necessarily. It's an employee, but you're only having them part-time, like 10 hours. Right. So, I mean, it's done in lots of different ways, but, you know, in the main, that's that's a way to manage it. So then you do have that employee, but you just have them on a fractional basis. Um, there's lots of different ways to peel this particular onion, right? But bottom line is we have so many solutions available to us to have the right people in the right seats at the right time to give the right experience we need to do a better job of educating educating businesses and, and leaders yeah. what it is that they actually need and what it is that that we do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But more importantly, do they peel onions in Scotland? They don't chop or cut, they peel. Well, you gotta take the outside layer off, right? Who's gonna want to eat the the hard red bit or the brown bit? That's weird. Okay, all right. We're the good. crunch. Yeah, that makes sense. We're not, we're not eating. You only get the crunch once you fry them. We're not frying okay. anything today. <laughs> <laughs> I just wouldn't be able to move on if if we left it peel onions because that's not what I think yeah. of when I think of onions. Uh, <laughs> I, I I actually have. <laughs> oh my god! I actually have. We're not cutting uh, this. We're not cutting it. We're not gonna. We're not cutting anything today. Um, I actually have a question on kind of the the understanding, right, of the roles in which we we do things within within the HR space. And I've seen I've seen kind of this commonality of 
Marion, you brought up like the HR business partner versus the HR partner, your HR generalist, right? There's lots of different kind of stacks, right? Within the HR end of things. And then when you look at learning and development and you've got different kinds of nomenclature for things between like training manager, onboarding trainer, learning and development, instructional design, right? We have all these different kinds of things within just those two things. And then you look at talent and then Sometimes the focus on talent is, is like, is it TA for the talent acquisition? Is it, is it the talent, talent management where now you're looking at everything from succession planning to, to all the nitty gritty bits with it fall, not just like getting new talent, right? But like, how does this work with now talent development? And now suddenly talent development's a completely different subset of everything else because it encompasses a lot of different things. Like, what what are your guys' thoughts on just within the, those complexities in and of itself? And that's not even moving into like the director and people, head of people versus people and culture versus HR, right? Is it just name changes? <laughs> like, what is it? What are what are your thoughts on where we're at right now and some of the trends that you're starting to see mm. within all of these names? Because I feel like a lot of people are are trying to retake this space, right? From we don't want it to be human resources. Now you're starting to see people, you're starting to see talent. Like the naming is starting to get very intentional in in my personal opinion, just from looking at the industry. Oh, I mean, again, so much to unpack there. I I am a big proponent of moving away from the title of human resources. You know that, as we see at Fearless. Humans are not resources. Humans are people. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. We preach that, yes. <laughs> that. Um, and also, I just think it comes with a lot of baggage. It really does. Like, you know, th- there's nothing more soul-destroying. You know, if I'm at a party or an event and someone says, oh, what is it you do? And I'll say, oh, I'm a chief people officer, head of people, whatever. And they're like, what's that? And then when you have to say, well, it's like HR. And you see their face and they're like, ugh. And uh, that's really uncomfortable. And I, f- I, I, and I I hate to say that sometimes I feel a little embarrassed about that. And it's not, mm. I'm very proud of what we do. We do an amazing job. We just have a lot of, unfortunately, baggage and negative connotations as being the ministry mm. of no and the policy and procedure police. And that really is not what the job is. It was probably that 40 years ago, um, but we were really trying to move on. So I think there's a lot of progression in our field, which is great. That's where you've seen the names like people, people and culture start to come Mm -hmm. out. Even people and people and culture are now being kind of picked apart by other progressives because they're people and culture, which I actually am beginning to agree with. You know, culture is everyone's responsibility. Why Mm. does it fall at our feet, right? Absolutely. Really good point. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, you know, we, we talk about, again, senior HR people like myself, we talk about needing a seat at the table to be able to support the business to strategically build out its people proposition to make sure that the people bet's right. Because again, if you've got the right people, they're happy, they're productive, you make money, right? Again, belly basic stuff. But we don't do ourselves any favours when we're not able to speak a commercial and operational language and we stay very much in that space of being the policy and procedure police. The credibility can be difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Tasha, you mentioned earlier on about education. You guys know my feeling about this. I don't 
I'm a big proponent of some form of formal learning to come right. into these roles, right? I don't think that experiential learning on its own is just enough because when we learn by osmosis, we don't always learn the right things. Yeah. And you need the methods, you well, need those theories. You really again, do. You need you need yeah. that foundation, right? Exactly. Are, are you gonna go to your gynecologist ladies um who just kind of like learn from their buddy and That's having chats so, with them? Well. No, absolutely not. However, oh, God. <laughs> however, you're like, I you just want... gave me PTSD for no reason, Danny. <laughs> yeah, that's a nasty thought. But I do I actually want to do share something which is really cool. So, in the interest of inclusion, you know, we talk about, I mean, again, I'm a proponent of having some form of formal learning, whether that be a university degree, a master's, whether it's through SHRM or in the UK CIPD or wherever that might be. These are fine, right? They're good in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, someone recently made a point to me and said, but not everyone can afford those ways. And I'm like, no, mm. absolutely. And one of the great things that we've seen in the UK is a real upstep in, in, in you know, in, in re-embracing the notion of apprenticeships. So the NHS in the UK, which you probably know, our National Health Service, which is a phenomenal resource, very under-resourced, has a lot of its challenges, but a phenomenal resource. Um they in the last few years have actually started apprenticeship doctor programs which yeah. and if and when you first hear it you think what but when you actually get into the detail of it and you see the learning that goes in and how programs like this make coming into a career like that much more accessible and inclusive yeah. what a, an amazing idea yeah. right yeah. Well, and all it's really doing, though, is just embracing more modern, uh, more efficient learning modalities. That's yeah. all it's really doing. Yeah. It's, it's not saying um, we're, we're, we're abandoning formal learning. It's just saying, hey, you can learn this stuff not in a lecture hall with, yeah. it's with almost exams taking, and stuff. It's like taking that 70-20-10 model and putting it into like a real life thing where you're yeah. going out of a course book for those 10, that 10, right? And just automatically moving and the other thing, which I think, Marion, I know you, you use the idea of um, uh, the sharing about the NHS, but the thing that I actually started thinking about, this is more on the L&D end of things. I have seen a major trend in in the last like five, I'm gonna call, I'll call it five years, of people who have done like retail onboarding. Mm -hmm. finding their way into learning and development right yeah. because they didn't know that that field existed right they've been but that's exactly what they were doing right they've been exactly doing they training doing. they've been doing onboarding they've been doing yeah. development they, they've been sales building. skills of uh, presentation of all yeah. of these different competencies and skills and it's it's that and and this is kind of where i think we can maybe start wrapping up is the these roles and their language right like i'm for the more progressive identifiable language of the person who is head of people is different than your you know director of hr right there's a different vibe because they're going to have different values right so mm -hmm. that language matters but also what matters are like in these job descriptions like what are the actual competencies and skills that we need and mm. then we know that you're going to craft your actual role after that like that's that's an important part of this is the job description is the job description the posting is the posting but like what's really needed what actually 
fits and this is what I'm going to do. And you know what you, we need to get a fractional person for this because that's just, I know you thought you needed this as part of my role, but you really need a deeper expertise. You need someone who is, you know, that expert in the area. We can only afford them for 20% of the time. So let's get them for 20% of the time. Yeah, right. Like I, that job crafting is so important. And and I mm-hmm. feel like job descriptions are written as if this is the role the person's going to do for their entire tenure until they yeah. get promoted or leave. And it's like, that's not how it really works in it's real not, life. It's not set in stone in any no, way. It's the yeah. competencies and skills. And that's where we're Marion bringing up the apprenticeship program really, I think, shines. And, and uh, Kasha, when you were talking about you know, these, these retail people who are doing this onboarding and training, it's like, they have all the skills and competencies just to go into a, an entry level trainer role, like without any extra learning or any extra experience. Yeah, absolutely. And Um, I think, I think our, our professional base is really lucky in the fact that we also now live in the world where you can probably at least get a base understanding of what these roles do through like, YouTube, LinkedIn learning, Udemy, right? Like there's TikTok. all of these different yeah, TikTok, dude, for sure. Yeah, all of these TikTok can't be yeah. <laughs> find yourself on the right side of TikTok, whatever that it means for you. <laughs> um <laughs> right. But like I mean, there's some truth to that where if you want to like transition in, I've we've lost Danny, guys. That you can't it. see this, but it's great. <laughs> um, but it's true. And I saw something um I saw something on a job description that I wanted to point out. This might be like an interesting end note for us, but it was a job posting. And I can't remember what the job posting was for at the top of my head, because the thing that honestly stood out to me was the disclaimer at the very bottom. Um, and they, that said that this, uh, this, this job was for a, uh, that was for a woman owned company and that they encouraged women to apply even if they didn't meet all of the job descriptions, because statistically speaking, women will choose not to apply for a job if they don't meet every single criterion, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. men will. Absolutely. And so they said, no matter what, please apply. Like we want to get you out of the habit. If you're a woman or someone who presents and identifies as being a woman um, of t- putting that foot forward, no matter what. Yeah. And, and I have think the you- confidence of the average white male. And I say that as the, average white male (laughs) you know I, I I would love to pick that topic up on another session because I think the whole piece around gender and 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 inequality and not just gender you know all different Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. walks of life within our working society you know we talk about remote hybrid working and how that's been able to support more people to return to work disabled mothers fathers whatever mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. great topic for another day but i love seeing stuff like that i love seeing stuff where it's geared towards supporting our um vets into the workforce when it's supporting you know anyone with any form of disablement into the workforce like i i i, I love to see that and it, it makes me feel good mm. well, i think that's the whole part ultimately like we're all people we're all humans and we we all have come from a very diverse tapestry and to be more inclusive is something that will help change any of these job descriptions, whether they're 
the generalist with like five different jobs within one or whether they are your tried and true head of people who actually has a job description that matches the job that they do. Yeah. And and as we talk about a lot, not to be performative, not to be there for the sake of being there. Right. It should actually be part of the DNA that runs through the organization like yeah. veins, right? It's it it, you know, it, it should walk the walk and talk the talk. That is an excellent point to end on. Thank you, everyone. Marion, where can people reach us? I can, can never remember. <laughs> it's elephant at the fearlesspx.com. Yeah, that's impossible to remember. Everyone, thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.